You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Speaking of God's Word, how many are thankful for God's Word? We're continuing the study in Acts, uh, the book of Acts. And uh, last week we moved into Acts 13 and 14, the first missionary journey, and that is wrapped up and completed. And today we're moving into Acts chapter 15. We're making progress. And I was thinking about it, and uh, I didn't realize this until I was studying a little deeper, that Acts 15 marks 20 years past Acts chapter 2, where the uh, where the Spirit of God fell on the church in the, what we call the day of Pentecost uh, happened. And, uh, the, and we've been tracking the early church story. And so we saw P- uh, Peter uh, step up after Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. We saw the Lord adding to the church daily. Then uh, the church was loving and caring for each other. And we know along the way there's been a lot of persecution. Really, that's been a theme uh, for sure. Uh, we, the, we address leadership issues in the church and, and even people stepping up and giving their lives for the gospel. Uh, we've had two people martyred so far. And then we've had Saul and Paul, or who became Paul, uh, converted. And then this huge shift in Acts chapter 10 where Peter gets this vision. And uh, where now uh, the, the word of the Lord is that the, the, the gospel is not only for Jews, but it's now you know, to go beyond that to Gentiles. Uh, just after that, Peter's in prison, the supernatural escape, the Houdini moment of the Acts. And then, uh, and then last week, we saw that uh, the church uh, sent, uh, sent Paul from Antioch, and he went out and he made his way back to Antioch. And turn with me to Acts chapter uh, 14. At the very end of Acts chapter 14, they arrived back in Antioch, verse 27. They gathered the church together. They reported that God, what God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the Gospels. And so I was just thinking about it. We have made some serious progress. And the church at this point should be rejoicing. And they were rejoicing. They were excited about what God was doing. But the truth is, when God is moving, when the Lord is moving in a situation, the enemy is right there and he's attacking as well. And last week we, we talked about it on this missionary journey. There were lots of different ways of opposition that the enemy tries to sneak in. And uh, I was thinking about it. Aren't you glad that the Bible, it doesn't just sugarcoat uh, stuff. It just tells you the way it is. Because, it, you know, then if it didn't say things the way it is and, uh, you know, we, that there was trouble and there was issues and things like that, and then we live our lives and there's trouble, and we'd be thinking, man, we're messed up. Well, we are messed up, but God is good, right? And they were celebrating and they were moving along, along and by chapter 15 and boom, a new problem arises. It's like they're going 80 miles an hour down the road, and all of a sudden, a flat tire. Boom. Who's ever been there, right? The, the car's on cruise, and all of a sudden, you're like, ah, here we go. And that's exactly what happened. And the problem that arises is how do the Jews and the Gentiles get along? The word that we're going to study today is the word dissension. Dissension. It's not a fun word to talk about, <laughs> 
And what I, I like, there's lots of different uh, uh, ways you could describe dissension, but the, the definition that I chose was opposing opinions that are not easily resolved. Let me say that again. Opposing opinions, how many have ever had that, right? That are not easily resolved. And in Acts chapter 15, it is very practical in nature. It gives us a blueprint of how to get out of a dispute, how to resolve a conflict, how to deal with dissension. And uh, I'm just wondering <clears throat> if anyone who's here has ever dealt with dissension or has ever help, uh, dealt with an issue with another person. Let me just see your hand, okay? Anybody? All right, just come. No, I'm serious. Let me see your hand. All right, okay. Anybody not raising their hand? Just leave them up, leave them up, uh, because we're just going to call you out because uh, I know uh, <laughs> and this is for everyone. And we all know how to get into trouble, right? If we're breathing, we're getting into trouble in some ways, right? You open up your mouth and you're like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Or you try to do something good and it doesn't go quite right. And all of a sudden, there's this opposition. But how do we get out of that dissension? How do we make it beyond that? And that's what Acts 15 does for us. And so let's look at it. Turn with me to Acts 15. You should be there. I'm going to track through these verses. We're going to read some of it, uh, talk through some of it, and, uh, but let's get a picture of what Acts 15 is trying to accomplish. Acts 15, verse 1 says, Certain people hmm, came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. I remember we go, ooh, right? We know better, right? But they didn't, right? And the issue with circumcision here, they're not just making this up. That goes all the way back to Genesis 17, verse 10. Uh, and they, these folks, they felt like they had biblical basis to be able to talk about this and to present their case. And they were uh, in no way wanting to back down from this. And so they're, they're strong. So unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Everyone go, ooh, again, right? And then the dissension comes. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Just pause there for a second. When you read that sharp dispute and the debate with them, I'm thinking, fight, 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 right? And, uh, but it wasn't that. They actually handled it with some grace. We're going to talk about that. And they took it seriously. Verse 3 says that <coughs> the church sent them on their way and they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. Uh, they, told, uh, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. Uh, when they came to Jerusalem, they're, they're, they, welcome, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them. And then verse 5 comes. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said again, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. 
And then it says, after much discussion, in verses uh, 7 through 21, uh, Peter addresses the crowd, and uh, then Paul and Barnabas share, and then James, not the guy that died uh, a couple of chapters ago, but this is James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, uh, who was the leader in the church, uh, most likely in Antioch. He speaks last. And, uh, and then verse 22, you can skip ahead, says, Then the apostles and the elders, they had made some decisions with the whole church. They decided to choose some from among them and send them back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. And with them, they sent the following letter. And we're, we're going to study the letter here in a few minutes. So they send the letter, and it goes with uh, Paul and Barnabas. Verse 30, if you can jump ahead, says, So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. They gave the letter. The people read it and were glad, for it was an encouraging message. Judas and Silas, they, they were prophets, said much to encourage them. After spending some time there, they were sent off and the believers, uh, by the believers with a blessing of peace to return. And, uh, but Paul and Barnabas remained there in Antioch. And you look at this, and this was a near miss, right? Or they, they missed, they, they, they were navigating well. The potential for disunity in chapter 15 was super high, but the threat was avoided. The threat was disabled. It was a close call for sure. And how did the church, the early church, model uh, how to do it? How did they deal with the dissension? And that's what I want to take a few minutes to talk about. And the first thing, in order to do that, what they did is they looked for wisdom. They looked for wisdom. When they couldn't agree, they looked for insight. They brought in the elders and the apostles. They brought in the, the, the leaders, those that were in authority. You know, I've learned over the years never to make big decisions in isolation. I hope you've learned that, and if you haven't, take note. And it's interesting here that this issue at hand in Acts chapter 15 was bigger than even Paul and Barnabas could weigh in on their own. They're saying, hey, we need to get some wisdom around this. Now, there's lots of decisions. I'm a good decision maker for the most part, right? Yeah, I'm looking at my wife. She's giving me the you know, thumbs up, right? And, uh, but when it comes to big decisions, we need to be looking beyond ourselves, saying, hey, bring people to the table. The truth is, and this is important, that God speaks through the multitude of wisdom. Think about it. In fact, I want you to think about your problem that you're facing. Think about the problem that you're having a problem solving or resolving, so to speak, and uh, let's just get some examples. What kind of things come to mind? What kind of problems are you facing? Uh, what kind of things come to mind? Let's just shout them out at me for a second. Kids. Oh, man. I, anybody there? All right, kids. That's perfect. We don't want any names, but, uh, uh, but that's the perfect idea. Uh, what other kinds of things? Health issues. Yes. Financial issues. Sure. Problems that we're trying to solve. What else comes to mind? Health. Yep marriages yes calling from god say god what do i want what, what do you want me to do right or how do you resolve these things hey, maybe a couple others relationships. relationships oh yeah yeah what anybody else these things are important to us right and we say man these examples uh you know how do we do this how at home do we raise our kids right 
Um, this week, or this past week, we, uh, we had our air condition fixed, and it was just in time, let me tell you. Oh, man, I'm so, uh, so blessed. And uh, I talked with a dear, a dear couple from the church that, <laughs> that didn't have air, and, uh, and they're sitting in their room, or sitting, they said, we're just sitting here, just sweating. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm like, well, we just got ours fixed. I know what you mean. But, uh, but when, we, when we had this issue uh, come up in, uh, with our air condition, we didn't just like pull the trigger the next day. We got some wisdom and we took, I don't know, we took probably a week and a half before we made the decision. We were asking the RVers for help and we were asking for uh, different people to speak into it and we made a good decision, I think. But at bi- in your business, with friends, with relationships, money, health, uh, marriages, all of these things, what what do you do in these situations when you don't know the answer you're not sure where to turn and the answer is you get wisdom in proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 you might want to highlight this in your bible it's a, and this is one of many places it talks about this it says plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors they succeed and that's just the truth You need to find people who are succeeding in the area where you're experiencing some trouble. So in money situations, someone said finances. You don't talk to to broke people about your finances and say, hey, you know, how do I get ahead, right? If you've got issues with your health, you don't go to someone that's really struggling with their health. Maybe, I'm I'm just going to skip that example. It's probably, I could get in trouble for that. Uh, Next one, marriages, right? You don't talk to someone who's been divorced five times and and, uh, is looking to get remarried again and say, hey, you know, what have you done? Uh, You know, you just don't do that. You find people who are succeeding and you say, all right, what are the tricks? You get people, you get wisdom. One commentator, actually one pastor said this, there's a plurality of authority, plurality of authority, and you can't just have one or the other, he says. He says, you, if you just go to one person who's in authority, that's not enough, because what if it's a cult, or what if something weird goes sideways, or, or you, know, you get off base, right? And then you can't just say, I'm going to just go to a bunch of, of my friends, right? I mean, think of a teenager saying, you know, should I, uh, I, I, I can't think of anything that's appropriate to talk about. Uh, just think about, you know, think about something, you know, like, should I do this? Or should I jump off of this cliff? Okay, I mean, just something simple, something simple like that. And all your friends are saying, all these teenage boys are saying, yeah, man, do it. Yeah, yeah. So you can't just think plurality. It's a plurality with authority. You put that together, all right? And so that's the first key. When there's dissension, you need to pause and get wisdom, number one. How did they do it? They got wisdom. The second, the early church, they also looked for God's heart. This is important. We're talking about critical thinking here. Peter, Paul and Barnabas, and James, in verses 7 through 21, uh, they all were reading between the lines, so to speak. What would God think? What would God say? What would God do? And they all spoke to that. In fact, let's look at Peter's speech. If you turn with me to Acts 7, or, uh, uh, 15, verse 7, let's look what uh, he says. He says, after much discussion, uh, Peter got up and addressed them. He says, brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And so he brings it back to God's heart and he says, look, God wants everybody to know his son, Jesus. 
Verse 8 says, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He's saying, look, non-Jews are getting saved. He's speaking to God's heart. Verse 9, it goes on, he says, He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified, he, he, he purified their hearts by faith. Again, God made no distinction. He's saying, look, you're not better than anyone else. You're not even that different than anyone else. How did Peter know this? Go back to Acts chapter 10 and study that from the vision and and, uh, how they were able to to move forward. And this was a big turning point here for the early church. God's heart, make no mistake, is this, that salvation is by grace through faith. By grace through through faith. Nothing more, nothing less. And church, I could preach an entire message about that. In fact, I considered it for this week and said, hey, maybe that's the, and uh, I hope you understand, we are saved by grace through faith. And uh, it's, that's an important, important thing. But listen, we're looking for God's heart, and the Holy Spirit is so gracious. If we ask Him to show us His heart, He will do it. He answers us so we can say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help us in this. An interesting verse that kind of popped out this week to me was 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen. And I was thinking about this. Uh, we can let the letter, we can let the law, uh, uh, we can get it. I mean, we can get it. We don't understand it, and, but sometimes we miss God's heart in the matter. Sometimes, you know, we're saying, yes, the Bible must be obeyed. And I'd say, yes. But if we become unloving, for example, as we share about God's timeless truths, we say, Lord, help us, right? We need to hear God's heart in every circumstance. So they not only uh, got wisdom, they're listening for God's heart. How did the church avoid dissension? The third thing is they looked for scripture. In James' address, he goes back to an Old Testament prophecy from Amos chapter 9, and, uh, and he reads that, or he, he talks about that, talking about Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles becoming part of the, the flock, becoming part of the fold. And I was thinking about it, he, they went back to Scripture, and I am convinced that every answer to life's questions are found in the Bible one way or another. I'm just convinced of it. Now, there are some things that are black and white, and those that are the black and white type of people, they love that. It's, you know, clear cut. And, uh, and yes, that's in the Word. But even in the gray areas, God speaks to us through His Word. Every issue, every circumstance, we can use it as a grid and say, God, how are we doing this? As we raise our kids, uh, and as we're, you know, working in business, as we're hiring, as we're firing, as we uh, uh, spend money, as we do these things, we can turn to God's word for insight. I love what Psalm 119, 105 says. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path, for my path. And I would say this, that that is the absolute truth, even on tough issues even on issues like divorce or homosexuality 
or transgender issues or issues of addiction, smoking, and alcohol, drugs, even with political issues. I believe the Word of God speaks to immigration issues and war issues and all of these things. And you say, well, what if it's not crystal clear? What if it doesn't say it exactly? And that's where we need to learn to get some wisdom, right? We, we look for wisdom. We bring in others and we look for God's heart in the matter. But sometimes we need to do what the early church did in this case as they learned, number four, to compromise. And you, this might catch you off guard, but look what happened. You know, now, when it comes to God's word, let me just be real clear. We are not compromising God's word. But when it comes to relationships, frequently we need to be called as God's people to compromise. And it's, some of it is just people skills, but some of it we need to learn. Let's look at it in the story. Verse 19 James steps up, and he's the leader in Antioch, and he, he kind of let uh, Peter share, and then uh, Paul and Barnabas share in verse 12, and we don't know what they say a lot, but, uh, but then we hear what, Peter, or what James says in verse 19, and listen to this. He says, It is my judgment, therefore, after he's heard what's been said, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And then it goes on, it says, instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain. And then he goes on and lists some things. And that's captured in the letter that was written in verse 28. It says, and it would seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And so what we're going to read here is a compromise. Look at what it says in verse 29. It says, you are to abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Now, what was the issue at hand? The issue was circumcision. And they came back and they said, look, this is the compromise. These are some things that you should avoid. And it's interesting that that list, all those things that we just read, are related to Gentile pagan worship and temple prostitutes, and food sacrificed to idol. And for the sake of unity, the wisdom that they, were, that they got from as they shared and as they got into God's word was for the sake of unity, these were the things that they were recommending. Now, let's talk about compromise for a minute. When can you compromise? When should you compromise? Well, there's a couple things. I've got three listed. Number one is when there's a personal preference. When I like blue and you like red, uh, let's just compromise and do blue, red, and white. It is July 4th week, right? <laughs> right? That just hit me. It wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> but when there's personal preference, you can lay your preference aside and compromise for the sake of relationship. How many are with me? This next one might uh, be interesting. Where the, the consequences of self-discovery are not devastating. So think about it. I was thinking about it in our case with our kids. Sometimes our kids, you know, we, we, they want to do something. We, wanna, you know, we want them to do something different. And sometimes we will allow our kids to do something as long as the, the self-discovery are not too devastating, right? 
We give them just enough rope, right, that they don't hang themselves, but they might, you know, get scraped up a little bit, and then we come back, and then they see the wisdom. <laughs> I'm I just saying, all the parents go, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, but where the consequences are of self-discovery are not devastating. Think about that in your work, or think about that in your family, or in relationships. It's just good advice. You can compromise in some of those things. The third way you can compromise is where if you are pressing for change is destroying the relationship. You just need to compromise. If it's going to destroy the relationship, take a step back and say, all right, can I give a little? Can I take a little, give a little? That's compromise. Where you can't compromise is if you're forced to disobey, disobey a clear command of Scripture. How many are with me? And just, uh, it's interesting, in that list of things, uh, it talks about the Old Testament law and uh, things that related to the Gentile pagan worship, of course. But then also in there is sexual immorality. I would say that that is pretty black and white in Scripture. When uh, it, over 50 times in the New Testament, uh, it talks about avoiding sexual immorality, uh, which, would, which would mean, from a biblical context, uh, any sex outside of marriage. And so I'd say that that's a great example where you don't compromise on that. And church, we need to be continuing to share that and let God's word uh, be true and help our students. And uh, Bruce, of course, is leading the way in that way. But the second thing where you don't compromise is if you've given your word. If you've given your word, Psalm 15 talks about you swear to your own hurt. And if you've given your word, you need to be a person of your word. You never compromise in those circumstances. All right, one more. How did the early church deal with dissension? We're seeing all these different ways. The last way that they dealt with it is once they made a decision, they wrote it down. They made it clear. I really like what Habakkuk 2.2 uh, 2 says. It says, uh, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. And I know that's talking about vision and, and the Lord's answer to, to the prophet um, uh, Habakkuk. But uh, the idea here is so good that you write down what you've decided so there's no mistake about it. There, there's no misunderstandings. <coughs> Excuse me. At home, you're saying, in my house, you know, parents that are here, and these are the rules. We're going to write these down. Uh, at the office, this is the clear uh, rules that we're going to follow. It's kind of like budgeting. You write down your budget, and then you live by it. It gives you something to, de to deal with. And some of you might be thinking, man, that sounds like a lot of work to write down uh, the expectations or, or the desires in a relationship or in a situation. But listen, do you want to avoid dissension? You need to write it down for the sake of peace and make it clear. And maybe even sign it, right? And uh, make an agreement if there's an issue. This is so important for us. We need to understand that when there is dissension, it fights against the unity within a family, within a relationship, and we as God's people should be avoiding this type of behavior. And so this we need to understand and to hear. Not only individually, though, 
We need to do this corporately as a church. Unity is at stake. And I just want to kind of bring this to a church-wide and as the church family here today, we must understand that without unity, the church loses stability. And if we're going to be strong, if we're going to be uh, rock solid, if we're going to continue to advance, we must fight for unity. And so we need to heed some of these things that the early church did. How many are with me? Without unity, the church not only loses stability, it loses its voice. If we are disunified as a body, and how could we ever stand up and make a difference in our community? And if we tried to, they, people would be looking in and saying, what a bunch of messed up, you know, uh, confused people, right? Or what, what's going on there? They can't even get along themselves. Why would I ever listen? A church loses stability, loses its voice. The third thing, without unity, a church ultimately will lose the battle. Satan wins. And we cannot afford for that to happen. And the, way, the reason Satan wins is because you can't have impact in the community. Church, maintaining unity is an absolute key. Unity in the Spirit is absolutely key. Paul wrote about it a lot in the New Testament. I want to go to just two verses, uh, Romans chapter 12 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as, we, as I close. And uh, these are not on the slides, but uh, go with me to Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 18. This is Paul writing to the Romans. This is one of many. We're going to look at two of many different times that he talks about this. But it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, ooh, right? The onus is on each of us to understand this. Look what it says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How do you do that? Well, let's remember the pattern or the blueprint in Acts 15. The second verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's writing to the Corinthian church, and there were a lot of issues, a lot of division among the leaders. They were divided. And it says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you would agree with one another in what you say, and that there would be no divisions among you, no dissension among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. And as I read that, I want to go back to the things that, if we lack unity, that the church loses stability. But when we understand these verses that Paul is encouraging us, the church will be stable. The church will have a voice when it's unified. And the church will win the battle. And it's absolutely worth the hard work to work through any kind of dissension. In fact, in the next chapter, uh, in that, the book of Acts, uh, we see the gospel spreading again. How did that happen? Because the church got wisdom 
They listened for God's heart. They understood scripture. They compromised and they wrote it down. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word that is just so practical and so powerful. And God, I pray right now that no matter what problem we may be facing, what problems we need to solve or resolve, God, you are in it if we listen to your word. And God, I pray that in these next few moments that you would just capture our hearts. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I want you just to start with your head bowed and eyes closed here for a moment. The biggest issue that you may be facing is your eternal salvation. I don't know everyone here, and if you're here this morning and you are away from God or you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that is a problem that you just must address. And the Bible is super clear about it that all of us are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And if you understand that, you got to also understand that Scripture says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And this morning, we want to offer the gift of God to you. If you're here this morning and you are saying, man, I need to get my life right with God. I need to be saved. I need Jesus in my heart. In any of those circumstances, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to just pray with you and just ask God to uh, come into your heart while we'll lead you in a prayer here in a moment. Who here the first service would say, yeah, that's where I am today. I need to, your salvation, Lord. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Anyone at all, first service. I'm looking on my left, your right. In the center section, anyone? On my right, your left. All right. All right, I don't see any hands, so let me get your eyes back on me here for a moment. Uh, let's go after our one this week, all right? And let's get our one to, to church uh, in the month of July. And remember, if you ask four, you're going to get three rejects, but you're going to get one positive, and let's do that uh, in the month of July. Let's keep on inviting our guests, but let's talk about this, um, this next step. Think about the problem that you're facing the thing right now that is most daunting, the, most, uh, uh, the thing that is most difficult for you to be solving or maybe an issue that needs to be resolved, it can be relationship-driven uh, or financially, uh, it could be uh, just a, a, a decision that needs to, you got two decisions and both look good, and you're saying, you know, what do I do, Lord? Uh, maybe it's you know, more serious than that. Can you capture the problem in your mind uh, here just as we close? What I want you to do is I want, as I talk through these five things, I'm thinking that the next step is for you to do one of these five things in regards to that problem. Do you need to get wisdom in regards to the issue that's at hand? And you go to people that are, you can trust and that you love 
and you expand and you just get out of your own head, you get out of your isolation, and you need to just take that step. How many would say, yeah, I need to get some wisdom on a situation or two? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Smart. The next thing is to get God's heart. And you do that by God's word and discerning, but you kind of read between the lines saying, okay, especially in those gray areas, saying, God, where's your heart in the matter? You know how important that is? And like I said earlier, you need to just ask the Holy Spirit for his help to give you his heart in the issue. How many need God's heart in an issue? Maybe that's the one that you need. Yeah. For some, it's turning to scripture and and some of you just need to get into soap reading. Some of you need to, you know, maybe dig in to a topic, say, man, there's this issue that just keeps on coming, and find out what God's Word says. Who needs to get into God's Word? Yeah, a little bit more. How about compromise? Some of you are saying, man, I can't believe he's preaching like that. But I'm telling you, in re- when it comes to relationships, knowing how to, To have good people skills and how to compromise can save a lot of grief. Still standing true to God's word, but how many are understanding maybe your situation that you're thinking about, you're saying, maybe I could compromise a little bit. Yeah. I appreciate those of you that just raised your hands for being honest. And for some others, you might just want to write it down. I heard, and I'll close with this, and then we're going to pray. In fact, you can stand, and we're going to be closing here. This week, I was listening to a podcast, and uh, it, was, it was just a little snippet that caught my attention, that uh, this guy would say, he would say, man, people are always negative around me, and they're always saying, I can't do this, or I can't do that, or I, I, I can't get ahead, or I can't, uh, I can't figure this out, or I can't do this, and, and, uh, and what he was encouraged to do was to write down just the opposite of what he said he couldn't do. And so let's give, give an example. Um, and I, uh, Can I use you as an example, Reagan? Uh, uh, Reagan is working hard uh, for, uh, to go to school this fall, and she's working full-time, 40 hours plus another 10 hours a week. And, uh, and it could happen, I'm not saying it has, but she could say, I, there's no way I'm going to raise enough money to go to school in the fall. All right? Okay, can you, everyone imagine that? So you, that, that's the negative side. Like, I, it just can't happen. I can't see a way. And what this guy was saying, he was encouraged to write down just the opposite. You write it down. I will have enough money to go to North Central this fall. Yeah. Amen? Right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so put it into your context. Write it down. R- flip it around. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful about the written word and to write it out and begin to affirm those things in a positive light. We serve a big God. Going back to that song we sang uh, earlier, uh, God is enough. He is faithful. He's a faithful God. And so whatever it is, our challenge is to take those things and go and deal with the dissension for the sake of unity in your family, in your business, in your relationships, here at the church. We are going to stand together and be unified. Let's pray. Lord, continue to work in our hearts as we leave today. God, I pray that you would just do a mighty, mighty work. 
God, I pray that your hand would be upon us, God. Lord, that you would do amazing things. Bring us together. Unify us, God. And unify us in our own lives, in our own families, in our own relationships, in our work situations. And God, help us to be following your word, to get wisdom, to look for your heart, look to scripture, be willing to compromise if we need to, and Lord, help us to write it down so it's clear, there's no mistake that it can be understood. Lord, we pray these things for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name. And Lord, now I pray as we go that you go before us, behind us, and all around us, in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone as you leave. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.